0: Hello and welcome to Scream Scene, the horror movie podcast where we watch every horror movie ever made in chronological order and then we rank them from best to worst. My name's Sarah.
1: And I'm Ben.
0: Thank you so much for listening to us today. How you doing?
1: I am cold. It's full. Yep.
0: That's what happens.
1: Yep. I am unhappy about it.
0: I mean, oh, about being cold. Yes. You're unhappy all the time, so... Hey. Hey now. (laughs) You're a grumpy old man. (laughs) And hey, guess what? We have some special stuff going on on our Patreon all month long. Some bonus content like spooky music coming out each week. And more, and that's for every patron, regardless of what level you're at. So you can check that out at patreon.com screamscenepodcast, and we have further details on our Twitter, at underscore screamscene. Well, what are we watching today? Maybe the movie will cheer you up.
1: I doubt it. Um, today, Sarah, we are watching <laughs> The Devil Bat from 1940.
0: Okay, cool. So is this kind of like a sequel to The Devil Doll?
1: No. Not at all. Okay.
0: You didn't have me do any research, so I don't know anything about this.
1: Right. I mean, there's not a lot to know, but I'll fill you in. Okay. So, the Devil Bat comes to us courtesy of the Producers Releasing Corporation. Oof. Or PRC. Bottom uh, of
0: the barrel of the Poverty Row Studios.
1: Exactly. Uh, we covered the origins of PRC in our episode on Ship. At that time, it was called Producers Distributing... Corporation. PDC. Right. But the name was quickly changed to Producers Releasing Corporation. It was run by producer Sigmund Neufeld and his brother, director Sam Neufeld, and it was a company that never took more than a week to shoot a picture and never spent more than $100,000 on any of them.
0: There is a level of um, admiration that I think can go to Poverty Row Studios. Sure. In just like like, a week to shoot a movie? That's insane.
1: Yeah, I mean, you, it depends on, like, what the results that come out are. Sometimes PRC was capable of making impressive movies. Some of its movies, uh, particularly its film noir movies from Edgar G. Elmer, um, have gained some critical uh, cachet in recent years, but most of the time when you're watching them, you can tell that they're trash.
0: (laughs) Okay, cool. Great. So by
1: 1940, PRC was ready to take another crack at the horror genre and signed Bela Lugosi to a long-term contract on October 19th, 1940. Lugosi was continuing to have financial difficulties. Um, His only film since Black Friday was an appearance in RKO's You'll Find Out, which was a comedy starring musical comedy act Kay Kaiser and his band, um, but was notable for teaming up Lugosi, Karloff, and Peter Lorre as the villains.
0: That, that sounds neat. We should watch that. Not for the podcast, we should just watch yeah, that.
1: Yeah, we aren't going to be watching it for the podcast, of course, um, but if you have a soft spot for 1940s novelty act comedies... Uh, you can check it out. Kay Kaiser, the star, was a big deal in the 40s. Uh, very popular, had multiple number one hits like every year in that decade, uh, but really was a a novelty act. He was, you know, did swing music, but like with comedy lyrics. And He's
0: like the Weird Al of the 40s. Yeah,
1: and so <laughs> the thing about it was like once he went out of style, he just vanished. Like, that was it.
0: But Weird Al is forever. Maybe he just got reincarnated.
1: No. Okay. So, signing with PRC put Lugosi on just about the lowest rung of Hollywood you could get. But it was work, and also the promise of more work to come. Uh, which is important when you have a wife, a son, and a morphine habit to support. Mm-hmm. It was a non-exclusive contract, so... Legosi could continue making movies for other companies at the same time and sign contracts with other companies at the same time. Um, But it just meant that he owed PRC a certain amount of work. Yeah. The Devil Bat was directed by Gene Yarbrough. Born in 1901, Yarbrough had been working in film since 1922, first as a props man, then as an assistant director and then finally as a director, initially on shorts for RKO. His first feature film was the exploitation movie Rebellious Daughters for Progressive Pictures in <laughs>
0: 1938. Okay, okay. That, that, that doesn't sound very progressive.
1: That's, yeah, that's the, you, well, you know how exploitation films do. The Devil Bat was his second feature film. Okay. So this is the second film of Jean Yarbrough. The cinematographer here was the highly experienced Arthur Martinelli, uh, an experienced veteran of the silent era. We first saw Martinelli's work in White Zombie, and then after in Supernatural, and then Revolt of the Zombies.
0: All right, all right.
1: By the time of The Devil Bat, Martinelli was pretty firmly entrenched as a Poverty Row cinematographer, he had become something of a has-been.
0: This, this movie sounds like it's going to be so good. Most... I'm so excited for this. <laughs> Most of the cast
1: are actors whose resumes are filled with bit parts and
0: walk-ons in other movies. Is walk-on like a fancy word for cameo?
1: A cameo happens when like a famous person does it. A walk-on happens when someone who basically is an extra you paid to say a single line does it. Oh,
0: uh, You know, okay. when,
1: if you have a role in a film that's just like a bellboy who walks up to Clark Gable and says like, telegram, sir, and then like walks <laughs> off, that's a walk-on part. Sure. Um, however, there are a few names in the cast that do stand out. Dave O'Brien plays reporter Johnny Layton in the movie, but is probably best remembered to modern audiences as the star of Reefer Madness in 1936, (laughs) where he played a wild-eyed, frantic marijuana addict. (laughs) Good. In a very small role in the movie as Joe McGinty is an actor named Arthur Quirk Bryan, who was a 41-year-old Brooklyn native, Brian began his career as a singer with dreams of making it in show business, uh, got his start as a radio announcer, and from there became a film narrator, and then got occasional bit parts like what we see here. But on March 2nd, 1940, the cartoon Elmer's Candid Camera debuted in theaters, and Arthur Q. Bryan's life changed forever because he was the voice of cartoon character. Elmer Fudd.
0: Nice. So it's only up from here for this guy.
1: (laughs) Pretty much, yeah. So yeah, watch out for the the Joe McGinty character. That's the voice of Elmer Fudd.
0: Sweet. So how are we watching this?
1: Well, The Devil Bat was released on December 13th, 1940, and is now in the public domain.
0: My god,
1: we're so lucky. Uh, It was restored in 1990 Oh, that's a
0: surprise. Yeah,
1: it was released on DVD in a colorized version in 2008. Um, By who? A cheapo DVD company. Okay. It's, uh, probably goes without saying, but here at Scream Scene we do not support, like, colorization or any other tampering with, like, the original state of a motion picture.
0: Besides restoration. Yeah, yeah. But, like... Trying to, like, put your own thumbprint on it. Come on, guys.
1: Yeah, so the movie is available for free in the original black and white version on YouTube and other places. And so you can find the black and white version on the Scream Scene YouTube playlist. The um, black and white version of the film can also be found on a new Blu-ray from a Kino video.
0: Kino, gotta love them.
1: Yep. There is also a version on YouTube that YouTube is charging money for to rent, um, and that's the colorized version.
0: Oh, they can copyright that because they put enough of their own original spin on it?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's their version of the movie. Like, they did the colorization work so they can charge for it. So if you are looking for this film and you think, like, oh, like, the one that would be charging money is, like, the official one, I should watch that, Stay away from that, because that's the colorized version.
0: Do not pay money to see this movie, is what we are saying. Yes,
1: that is a way of interpreting what we are saying. Yeah. Yeah, so you can just find it on the Scream Scene playlist.
0: And you can find that playlist at screamscenepodcast.tumblr.com. You are going to hear a brief musical break, and when we come back, we will have watched The Devil Bat, directed by Gene Yarbrough! Yarbrough!
1: See you on the other side, everybody.
0: That was a hefty sigh.
1: back, everybody. We just finished watching The Devil Bat from 1940, directed by Gene Yarbrough. Sarah, <laughs> you had a fun time watching this, I think.
0: It is a very fun movie. I think people would have a fun time watching it.
1: Yeah, contrary to my expectations going in, I actually enjoyed this quite a bit. Um, it was sort of that perfect mix where it's dumb enough And cheap enough to be fun, but it's not, like, so poorly made as to be just, like, this total slog.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Um, Did you find that you also enjoyed this film because it was finally a horror movie that we were watching?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, it's still very tepid, like, in terms of its horror, but yes, it was nice to see something that was actually trying.
0: Yeah, I, I love this fucking movie. It's, oh, it's so, something.
1: So let's talk about the story.
0: Yeah, sure. So, side note, Bella Lugosi plays a guy named Dr. Carruthers, and Ben and I both had a film professor who was a woman, but was named Dr. Carruthers. So I, there was that just kind of like, it was like the cherry on top <laughs> of enjoying this film. So Dr. Carruthers...
1: Kindly Dr. Carruthers.
0: Kindly Dr. Carruthers, who would not dare her to fly, makes perfumes for Heath and Morton Cosmetics. Heath and Morton have gotten mega rich. They are now the 1%, as it were. uh, While Carruthers has not, because when they first started, he sold his percentage in the company for, you know, a quick $10,000. Mm-hmm.
1: Took the flat buy out instead of the.
0: That's the economic word for yeah. things. So he has not made millions as these people have. And now he's getting revenge by creating an aftershave that he's trained bats to hate. And he also makes these bats quite large by electrocuting them. So they become giant bats that people call the devil bats.
1: Yeah, it's, um, the theory of electrical stimulation of glands that, uh, makes the bats big.
0: Something like that?
1: Really big, like, like...
0: Bald eagle size. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, those things are, like, ginormous. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but as a bat, in the Mm -hmm. close-ups, they're fruit bats, so harmless, but, you know, imagine, like, a carnivorous bat. Sure. That's misleading, because fruit bats, I believe, still eat insects, so they would be technically omnivorous. Imagine
1: a type of bat that people would be afraid of, as opposed to the, like, harmless, um, you know, winged mice that bats really are.
0: (laughs) Using this mix of aftershave that acts as a bait to these bats, Dr. Crothers is killing off the Heath and Morton families one by one.
1: Yeah, because they're they're testing the aftershave before it goes on the market, so that's the excuse for giving it to all of them.
0: Mm -hmm. Johnny Layton, Chicago reporter, is here to cover this story in Heathville, by the way, so one of the families is so rich they have a ville named after them. Layton helps find clues and corner Dr. Carruthers while also striking up a romance with Mary Heath eventually dr cruthers gets taken down by his own devil bat. Mhm. The end. Yeah.
1: I mean it's it's basically uh like kind of a murder investigation only the murderer is a giant bat.
0: Yeah. Which uh I have to say with the part of this movie that I enjoyed the most is um they clearly know what bats sound like because they have like regular bats in the movie doing like the squeak echolocation sounds. And then this giant bat, this devil of a bat, just screams (laughs) as he flies around. Especially when he goes to attack, it's like this high-pitched screaming like as it goes in for the kill. And it's like, oh my god, (laughs) is this supposed to be stealthy in any kind of way?
1: What? (laughs) The other best thing about the Devil Bat is, um, so it's fake.
0: Oh, hundred 100%. And I mean,
1: the thing that really brings down the Devil Bat in terms of, like, its quality as a movie is also the same thing that provides its greatest joy to, like, being a viewer of this movie. And that is how terribly fake and ridiculous the Bat is. Because, like, in addition to this Absurd noise it makes. (laughs) Like, it looks like a Halloween store decoration of a bat, just really big. Like, it doesn't look anything like a real thing at all. And then, it doesn't even have flapping wings. Like, it's not even at the level of, like, you know, the original Dracula, where it was like a floppy bat on, like, a fishing rod that when you bobbed it up and down, the wings would kind of look like they were moving. No. This thing is stiff. This thing flies by gliding. Like, it just looks like... It coasts. It it looks like a glider that someone's tossing from off-screen to, like, from one side of the screen to the other. Like, it's it's just... Oh, my God. Like, it does not fly... Like, we see times where it takes off, and it takes off like a fucking, (laughs) like, helicopter, like, vertical takeoff and landing, like a UFO, just with its... Wings always outstretched. Mm. It's the fakest looking thing ever, and it's great.
0: I love him. I love him so much. Um, it's,
1: it's the biggest piece of evidence for the film's low budget, but, like, I wouldn't change it for the world.
0: No. Um, there's other stuff that goes on in the film. There's um, some comedic relief and stuff. Um, not that
1: bad comedic relief either. Like Yeah, not,
0: exactly. Yeah, like, I think... It is setting out to make a horror movie. It makes a horror movie. It's tepid, as you said, but it's not like trying to hedge its bets with shoving comedy mm-hmm. in there. It's just, you know, it, it, there's only, you can't do a lot of horror on a budget like this in a week with a bat that screams.
1: Yeah, it's, I mean, the, so the way the bat kills people is it flies at their necks because that's where you put aftershave lotion and like rips out their jugular veins but we never actually really see any of that violence it just swoops down towards people and then like we cut to other people hearing it and running over right and And when we see the dead
0: body the person's just like lying on the floor like they're asleep
1: yeah now there's no gore no exactly but but the intent is to be a horror movie
0: yeah totally
1: surprisingly given that this is prc and given the other Poverty Row movies we've been seeing for the past while, I found this to be pretty competently shot mm-hmm. and edited. Like, it's obviously inexpensive, but it looks no worse than, say, like, an early TV episode. Yeah. You know? Like, it's it's cheap, but it's it's not awful. the The performances in the cast are nothing to write home about, but similarly, they're competent. Nobody stands out as particularly weak or irritating, they're all just kind of there, you know?
0: And I think also, um, maybe the one thing that's against this film is that it is a little repetitive, but Poverty row films have to, like, pad out time to Mm -hmm. hit, like, feature length. This film definitely pads out time, but it's, like... I don't know, you're, you're kind of having fun along the ride.
1: Sure, yeah, that's the thing, like, it, it strikes that so-bad-it's-good sweet spot of being fun enough to keep you going through it. The the biggest technique that it uses to pad out time is newspaper headlines, like, where all it needs is maybe one spinning newspaper to give you exposition. It'll give you like three in a row, giving you reworded versions of the same exposition in the
0: the exact same layout yeah just like the titles change.
1: yeah this newspaper is always the same front page they've just taken one column out and the headline out to replace with the new one every time but like the surrounding layout and articles are always the same like you can just tell if you if you pay attention the other thing is like we see like three or four newspapers that cover like the same headline like as if Johnny Layton's paper has, like, the most editions in a day of, like, any newspaper. Yeah. Um,
0: and, of course, there's shadows of a bat flying over the newspaper.
1: Yeah, it's it's fun. Like, it's, <laughs> it's dumb, but it's fun. Like, there's a fun, wacky, dumb energy to this where, like, they, they clearly must have realized at a certain point, like, how ridiculous it is. In terms of story, it's stealing from... All over the place.
0: I found it to be surprisingly unique (laughs) in terms of what we've seen.
1: I think what makes it unique is how how they're putting different elements together. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, the reporter and his editor and the shitty police chief and stuff, that's all right from the Warner Brothers formula, right? And then the, like, mad scientist who's out for revenge against the people who wronged him, that's straight from the Columbia formula. But then the, the giant bat... And the setting it around like a cosmetics company, mm-hmm. those elements are new, and those elements are just, like, weird enough and unique enough that it makes the movie feel fresh when combined with everything else.
0: Which is so surprising, again, with a Poverty Row film. Mm-hmm. A PRC Poverty Row film. Yeah,
1: like, the last movie we saw from this outfit was Torture Ship.
0: Which was torture to get through. Yeah,
1: it was, it was barely recognizable as horror a, as a movie yeah like as the concept of film as like a thing that you can you know construct meaning from images like it was <laughs> it was barely that like yeah this is fine this
0: is perfectly fine yeah you know
1: it's it's cheap but it's fine
0: it's a fun spooky romp and is choice material for a spooky movie night with friends
1: that's totally what it is. It's a great watch—a cheesy, old, spoopy movie and laugh about it kind of
0: experience.
1: Yes, it's it's way more competent than expected. Uh, Lugosi is good as yeah. the villain. Um, his age is starting to show. Like this is the first time I think I've seen Lugosi and thought like, oh, he's looking old. Um, he's fifty-eight, making mm. this movie. As always, he excels at revenge plots. I always think he's really good with that kind of storyline. And this one feels uh, particularly close to home
0: mm-hmm. because
1: Lugosi also lost money by turning down a percentage in favor of just taking a lump sum. And that was on the surprise hit White Zombie where he didn't trust that that movie was going to be popular so he just took a flat rate. It turned out to be this huge box office success so if he had taken the percentage he would have actually made more money. Yeah. It gives his character kind of a, a metatextual level of tragedy that Lugosi sells really well.
0: Lugosi has also come through, like, horror's first boom mm-hmm. and then crashed mm-hmm. completely with it while he's seen studios make money off of it. Using his name for marketing material and then not giving him, like, anything in the movie itself, I think... This character of Dr. Carruthers getting revenge on people who he's he feels exploited by, mm-hmm. I think it's something Legosi can really identify with.
1: Yeah, he, he plays it very well because I think it strikes close to home for him, and you can really believe his... Um,
0: Animosity.
1: Yeah, towards these rich guys, for sure.
0: Yeah. Is there anything else you'd like to say about this?
1: No, um... I really liked the Devil Bat. I It's not good, but I really liked it.
0: Yeah, it was a fun surprise, yeah. you know?
1: So where are you looking for ranking, Sarah?
0: I'm having a hard time because it's on, like, kind of the lower middle part of the list.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and it's, it's Muddy Waters up <laughs> in here.
1: Yeah. So it's a lot of gut feeling and...
0: Yeah. So I was kind of looking between... Spanish Dracula at 51, down to Night of Terror at 65. Okay, I was looking
1: higher than you, Oh, really?
0: Let me Um, me hear.
1: I was looking between Supernatural at 44 and Spanish Dracula. Like, your ceiling was my floor. Just because what I was thinking about with this movie was the fact that, like, coming from PRC, it was competent. Like, other than the fact that the bat is really super fake, right? Like, that's ridiculous. But the rest of this movie, like, you know, looks like it could be a TV show. Like, an early 50s TV show, right? Yeah. And so for me, like, you know, this movie's better paced than Spanish Dracula is. Spanish Dracula drags. It doesn't know when to cut a scene. It doesn't know how to build tension. (laughs) That was my problem with Before I Hang, was like, that... It didn't work. Like, I think Before I Hang has better cinematography than this, mm-hmm. but it didn't know how to build tension properly, and the story didn't make any sense. Like, the the Devil Bat has a weird story, but the story makes sense, and it holds up. I'm a little bit unsure about where to put it with, like, The Bat and The Bat Whispers and The Magician, because those are all, I think, skillful movies. It's always hard to compare anything to Genuina, um, and then I kind of stopped at the vampire bat, because, like, the vampire bat has something interesting to say about, like, mob mentality. Yeah. But that's only for, like, a half of the movie, <laughs> and then it becomes this weird thing about, like, a sponge in a jar. Oh, yeah. Um, but on the other hand, the vampire bat has, like, Lionel Atwell and Faye Ray and Dwight Frye, but on the other, other hand, like, it's directed by Frank Strayer, and it looks like garbage. <laughs> so, like... The Vampire Bat's interesting, it has some better performances, but, like, isn't as well made, I don't think, as The Devil Bat is, even. Um, So I, I, you know, but I know it's not as good as Supernatural. So I had some difficult time, too, but mostly where I was thinking with looking at this movie versus other films was how good it was paced, how well it was paced, and just, like, how competently it was shot, and how the story really holds together. Um, even if it's, it's clearly very cheap. So that's, so I was kind of looking above where you were. Um, but looking at your range, I mean, there's stuff in your range like The Invisible Ray and The Mummy's Hand and Werewolf of London that are all, you know, very competently made movies. Same with, like, The Golem and, you know, stuff like that. Um, I think it for sure goes above something like Black Moon that's just racist. Yeah. Um... It's tough. Um, I mean, The Unknown is, you know, probably more powerful in terms of its impact than this. This is just kind of goofy.
0: But The Unknown is also about a horror movie character stuck in a romantic comedy.
1: Yeah, it's, it's not quite fully in the genre.
0: Yeah. Yeah, this, it's, it's tough. Because um, I, I, I definitely see where you're coming from. I, I would be fine with ranking it um, below Supernatural. But I also am, like, Before I Hang was interesting. And it was, like, the return of Edward Van Sloan, in a way.
1: Yeah, I think if there's one thing, you know, that really goes against the devil bat, it's that as much fun as it is to watch, the fact that it's, like, what's making it fun is that the central thing you're supposed to be afraid of is fucking ridiculous. So that really cuts the legs out from it being an effective horror movie. Um, like, it's still a horror movie, but it's not an effective one. It's not going to scare anybody. It's fun to watch, but it's not going to scare anybody. It
0: might scare, you know, our four-year-old nephew. Right, But that's maybe. really it.
1: If you, if you could get him to sit through it. <laughs> um, yeah, so in that case, that makes me think, like, maybe it goes beneath the 1920 Jekyll and Hyde with um, that had John Barrymore in it at mm. number 54, because even though that's a very early horror film and it has its problems, like, it still had threatening moments, right? Like, Hyde in that movie was legitimately threatening, right? Yeah. Um, so how about we put it below the 1920 Jekyll and Hyde and above the unknown as recognition that, like, you know, the unknown has power as well, but it's also really uneven.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair, because then we still have... The Sealed Room, which is short but terrifying, Mm -hmm. Um, but it's also above things like The Mummy's Hand, where it's, like, more of an offshoot of horror than anything else. Yeah, Yeah, I like that.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, once you get down below this point, you know, where we're putting it, you're starting to get away from movies that are pure horror and into movies that are kind of offshoots, um... Or, you know, below that, you're just getting into movies that are just garbage bad, right? So Yeah. Okay, so entering the list at number 55, The Devil Bat, from 1940, directed by Gene Yarbrough.
0: If you would like to see this list, you can go to our website, screamscenepodcast.tumblr.com. There you can find links to the other episodes that we've kind of referred to, as well as an appeals box. If you feel that we have unfairly ranked The Devil Bat, or any of our previous films, drop us a line and let us know. If Tumblr isn't your bag, you can also email us at screamscenepodcast at or talk to us on Twitter at underscore screamscene.
1: Screamscene updates every Wednesday on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play. One of the ways that you can help out the show if you enjoy it is by giving us a rating or a review uh, on any of those platforms. Uh, iTunes reviews especially are mega helpful. Because of the way that algorithms and metrics work. Uh, You can also just tell a friend about the show. It's October. It's Halloween season. People want recommendations for horror movies. People want fun movies they can watch with their friends at Halloween parties. And And, this
0: is the one I would recommend.
1: Sure. People also want free movies in the public domain. And And
0: this is one I would recommend.
1: (laughs) That's right. We got you covered. Uh, on that front, so spread the word about our cool podcast to all your friends, and if you would like, you can also head over to patreon.com slash podcast to become a patron of the night for as little as a dollar a month. Uh, you'll get your name read out on the show throughout the month of October. We're going to be releasing some cool extras for Patreon subscribers. Um,
0: of all levels.
1: Yes. Uh, and then at higher levels, like the $5 and $10, you get access to bonus audio and uh, horror short fiction. So, don't delay. Go to Patreon today at patreon.com slash screamscenepodcast. Hey. Okay.
0: What are we watching next week, Ben?
1: Next week, Sarah, we are watching a Columbia Pictures Mad Scientist movie starring Boris Karloff. It's The Devil Commands from 1941, directed by Edward Dimitrik.
0: Okay. Sure. We'll, we'll, we'll give it a shot.
1: Yeah, we'll see if the change in director uh, changes up the formula.
0: Well, we will see you next week, creatures of the night. Bye! Bye!